Hi, my name is Judith, also known as Jay. And I'm Elizabeth, but you can call me Bleggy. And we are The Fit, the podcast where we talk about developments in fashion tech and innovation in retail. We also take you on our journey as we build eFitter, a tech company focused on personalising the shopping experience for the modern woman. To keep up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe to The Fit Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would also like to keep you posted on all things eFitter, so do follow us on socials at eFitter app and join the conversation using the hashtag TheFitPod. This is our 60 second roundup where we try to summarise what is going on in the world of fashion and tech in 60 seconds. So at the moment we're in the middle of a global pandemic, as you know, and it's meaning that people's buying habits are getting a little bit strange. So in light of what we're seeing in terms of like hand sanitizer shortages, a lot of fashion and beauty companies, so you've got LVMH, so um, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, who own loads of different designer fashion brands, and even L'Oreal have come together to kind of switch production from making your traditional cosmetics and beauty products to making hand sanitizer. And then you've also got designers such as Christian Siriano, who is um, switching production from, you know, designer gowns as you would normally see to producing masks for hospital workers because there's a global shortage. COVID-19 has also shaken up retail in general. Um, no one is really safe. Um, if you've seen or not, H&M have seen a 46% drop in sales in March, um, which is affecting their second quarter um, annual report. Like most retailers, they have been closed because of the virus. Most brick, well, all, sorry, brick and mortar stores are shut completely, forcing a lot of them to move to an e-commerce only operating business model. Um, and also don't forget that H&M is one of the biggest fashion competitors in the world. This is huge. So at the moment, we've been on lockdown in the UK here for two weeks as of today. And we're asking the question, how is isolation, how is isolation affecting our buying habits? So as it's, is expected, retailers are struggling um, with Debenhams reportedly being weeks away from going into administration again. However, it looks like us millennials and Gen Zs are propping up the uh, industry slightly if we have secure jobs by taking advantage of the additional time that we have to shop online. So if you're working from home, you can browse online and shop online. You have a little bit more time on your hands to do that and getting more social inspiration from social media. So even though apparel sales are considerably lower just because of what Judith mentioned earlier about brick and mortar stores closing down, purchases between nine and six, so working hours, are up by 52% week on week, which is crazy. So we asked you a question, I think it was Friday. Um, We asked, how has coronavirus changed the way that you shop? And we're going to read out a couple answers that we thought were interesting. And feel free to comment as well if you haven't already, because I found some of these really interesting. (laughs) I'm just like shopping in quarantine, you know. Um, one of the uh, comments I found really interesting. Someone said, "I have yet to even shop. I think I'm looking at investment pieces versus trendy stuff." Um, this is interesting because we have seen, as we'll talk about later, a rise in luxury products. Um, overall, they have done really well despite everything going on. Um, one more that I found really interesting from Chrissy Milan saying, "Shopping for clothes less." beauty products more but overall spending a lot less I think it's all made me realize the importance of saving which I think is really really interesting because a lot of us a lot of the comments said that you're saving more um I am I haven't bought anything but it's more to do with I don't really agree with spending in this period but we'll touch on that so Pels has just commented saying I'm getting my drip ready for after quarantine (laughs) (laughs) 
another comment exactly too. exactly which is, <laughs> for me it's mad because i'm like we actually don't know whether we're gonna see summer or not so like, are you what buying, season are you guys buying what are you buying <laughs> i want to know what are you buying like i i'm really interested because at this point it looks like we're not going to be out here until tail end of summer so half the things in spring will just not be worth it i don't know but see you hun. Um, no judgment here um anything else you want to read I think the one that I personally was most aligned with was the edutainer who says, no, I'm a terrible consumer. I don't shop. I didn't shop often before the virus. So it doesn't feel like much of an adjustment to me. And I am exactly the same. I'm not a big shopper. I shop as I need to, as opposed to, I I don't habitually shop. So um, it just, right now, I'm not even thinking of shopping because I'm like, I'm stuck in my house. Well, I'm actually stuck in my mom's house with a suitcase and I'm not about to buy more clothes. I'm just going to have to rotate in the same two t-shirts that I have until I'm able to leave and that's about it yeah um also something that I found really interesting someone said Ivy Amber said yeah I'm buying more stuff to do rather than things to wear someone else actually was alluded to that saying that they're shopping on Amazon a lot more as they can't leave the house skipping ropes random bits so I feel like there's been a shift we will look into that into more essentials more into gym wear, gym gear. I think they sold out on Amazon at a point. It was really hard to get the delivery up. And I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. I didn't remember. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting that people are focused less on what we'd consider luxury products in terms of it's not an essential. Um, on the essential. So I guess uh, the question is, so we we just touched on this, um, spending in retail generally is down because a lot of the physical shops are closed but it's up in essentials. So um, we've seen people moving very, very mad. Um, We've seen the toilet paper shortages. We've seen the hand sanitizer shortages. We've seen the pasta and eggs and flour. And it's just, it's bizarre at points. (laughs) But this is what we're seeing because consumer sentiment is not consistent at the moment. So psychologically, what happens when we are in a crisis is um, people tend to buy things that make them feel secure. So part of the reason toilet paper sold out was because people are secure when they have toilet paper in that. Like... But, you, know, you know what? I personally, I think it took one person to just hoard toilet paper and then someone looked at them like, oh my God, I need toilet paper. And then everyone, like it was a ripple effect of fear. Because not everyone walks into a store like toilet paper. Like, the world's going to end, it's not, but if it's going to end, toilet paper's one of my less, not even walk. I don't know. It's funny you say that because um, apparently the reason is because toilet paper is the one constant that we've had in our lives from when we're a baby to adulthood in that like, you know, you toilet train and you use toilet paper, whereas a lot of other things are later learned. So even water, you use... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There's a comment. There's a comment that says, please ask them, do they eat the toilet paper? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) good question. But what's funny is you do see people panic when they run out of toilet paper. And it's weird because I'm like, you've got a shower, haven't you? I mean, worst case scenario, you know? I feel like consumer sentiment is shaky at this point. People don't really know what to do. People don't really know what to be buying. No one knows what's going on. No one knows for how long. So I was reading an article actually from The Guardian and they were talking about how stockpiling is fueled by fear, like mostly. And the lack of consumer spending in retail is obviously fueled by the fact that there are no stores, one, um, and we'll touch on certain um, retail brands that aren't actually open at this point because we didn't have e-commerce presence. So there's a lot going on, um, but at this stage, 
it's very shaky. It's just shaky in general across the board, um, from millennials, Gen Z, and upwards. Yeah. It's funny that in this environment where there are all these staple shortages in grocery stores, um, one industry that is fr fr thriving, we'll touch on others, but one that is thriving at the moment is pizza delivery companies. So Papa John's, Domino's and Pizza Hut have all announced that they've had to hire like thousands of more, thousands more employees because people are ordering pizza at home, which is really bizarre because it's very specifically pizza delivery companies. It's not other takeaways. Um. Yeah, so this leads us on to how does this affect brands? How does this actually affect companies? And the fashion production stage has, well, it has three stages. It has from sampling, manufacturing, and mass production. So we know, well, it's general knowledge that China does a lot of people's, of brands manufacturing. India as well does a lot of their textile. A lot of their textile hubs are there. Um, and Italy is a lot of the luxury fashion production hubs are in Italy and um, which is why they do say that the trend of the virus spreading has been in those places well apart from India um the most because of the transfer of a lot of products a lot of goods um in the manufacturing process and um, so it brings up to question like how do a lot of these companies deal with their inventory um there will be a lot of backlog in terms of spring as we mentioned summer no one's going anywhere, apart from the ones that want to save it for when we leave. Um, no one's anywhere. No one knows what to buy, why to buy. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one to think about. But what does that mean for the manufacturing process? What's interesting about that is a lot of um, fashion brands, their focus is on having inventory in backup so that they don't sell out, like completely sell out. So having some degree of stock is important to fashion brands. But this is a very peculiar time in which they may end up with way too much stock because people, the demand is just not there. People aren't able to buy the garments because their shops are closed and so on. Not to mention much earlier on in the process. So you mentioned that the virus has spread um, considerably in China and Italy in the past. And that's where a lot of the workers are. So particularly in China or particularly in developing countries where they have garment workers, they're being laid off en masse but they don't have the security of being furloughed where the government pays 80% of their wages, for example. So this is problematic for a number of reasons. First of all, it means that these people aren't able to work, which means that they're not able to have a stable income, which means that they descend further into poverty. So what may well end up being a side effect of us not being able to buy clothes is increasing poverty in developing countries, and um, people being unable to work in the long term because if they are very very poor and if they were to become unwell then the chances are it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to recover so if garment manufacturers store today it's going to have a long-term effect on what we're going to be able to buy next season season after but we just don't know what that looks like at the moment which is crazy but um yeah i think it's just one of those things that shows that because fashion the fashion industry is so wide-ranging Simple things such as us in the UK not being able to go to Primark is having a massive effect on people's livelihoods around the world. You mentioned Primark is actually very interesting. Um, as most of you know, Primark does not offer any products online or have an e-commerce store, which when I first heard that they were closing brick and mortar stores, I thought, what are they going to do? Like, what, 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 what are they going to do? And previously, I'd 
um, had the discussion over on my Instagram about um, Primark and their brick and mortar store and what that means if they were to move um, to an e-commerce model. And a lot of people were like, yeah, but some people were like, this would be very expensive. But in reality, they're not doing well. They cannot even speak to other, I think, expected to lose about 650 million pounds in sales every month this period every month <laughs> that is every-, every month it's disastrous i think because they don't have a plan b a lot of stores like h&m zara um mango a lot of the high street stores Topshop, river island had that capability but they don't so the fact that we're not seeing them on the high street means you're not seeing them at all they are not making any money in this period none um this also has a ripple effect on their workers which means that I think their boss, their CEO, offered to take um, a 50% pay cut. I don't know for how long. Um, Offered to take a pay cut because he realised that they would not be able to fund anything that they were doing at that point. Um, I think they've also decided not to pay rent during this period. I have heard it's quite common at this point because no one knows when this is going to end. What's the point of paying millions in rent? stores that could be shut for six seven months so this is a serious effect on certain stores that didn't or just never have to think about moving to an e-commerce um model um theresa has asked a question why wouldn't they set up a website prior to this i don't get it um i'm actually interested to know from the people who are on this who have shopped at primark or who do shop at primark would you buy from primark online and if you would what would you buy so um, the answer to the question is Primark's business model, they've always been very, very, very lean. So you'll notice that you don't really see adverts um, for Primark online um, on TV. You don't see them do that much external advertising. They don't exist online. And the reason they do that is because they're trying to keep their costs super low because obviously they sell garments very, very cheaply. And they tell us that, um, you know, they're paying their workers fairly. Obviously, we don't know the detail because of a lot of their garments are being manufactured in India, Mongolia, Mongolia, Bangladesh. So we don't know. But they're telling us that they can pay a decent wage to staff, which is why they cut down on costs. The consequence of them not shopping online, um, not existing online, is they have a very, very healthy balance sheet. So it's quite unusual for a brand in Primark space, which is super cheap, super fast fashion, to have a balance sheet of more than a billion pounds in cash, which means they have that much available. So if they have a billion pounds available, then they, although they are in panic mode because they're missing out on 650 million every month, they have a healthy-ish buffer. So unlike a lot of other retail um, retailers that we're hearing of that are thinking of filing into administration or I think it was monsoon where they're considering being sold at the moment it's not perfect for them but things could take a turn very quickly because they don't have anything to back it up online it's in response to your question um like what would you buy someone said multi-packs of white or black t-shirts and scented candles okay someone said primark hit and miss I need to build their products Quality is a big issue with Primark, um, which is why I don't shop there. Um, someone said, yes, essentials such as socks, underwear, and things like that, I'd get online. Jeans, dresses, and accessories, I'd pop in the store for. So, yeah, idea. Someone said essentials as well. So, yeah, I feel like it wouldn't make sense for them to move their whole inventory online, hire drivers, delivery drivers, a whole factory for processing online orders, 
for people to just buy essentials. Obviously, this is a select pool of people, but the idea is kind of the same. Um, yeah, people are sorting essentials. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, on the flip side of that, so we talk, you've spoken about Primark and super cheap high street fashion, but what's happening in luxury? So we touched on this briefly. So what we're seeing at the moment is a slight increase in beauty and wellness spending, only a tiny increase. And it is just because people are stuck at home and they're thinking, oh, do you know what? I'm out of this, um, I'm fen- out of Fenty Gloss Bomb. I need to top up. That's it. And in terms of luxury, spending is up 2%. And... Um, this is so I think we need to make a distinction here in luxury because um, there tends to be two main categories of luxury. You've got affordable luxury, which tends to be between about four hundred and eight hundred dollars. So your I don't know, high end um, everyday designers. So by that, I mean like your high end um, Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger's, that kind of thing. And then you've got actual luxury, which is more the Louis Vuitton side of things where it's a lot more pricey. So in luxury as a whole, spending is up about 2%. And our hypothesis is it's because people have more time to think about what they're buying. Um, Having said that, even though spending is up 2% um, year on year in that category right now, it won't necessarily make up for the fact that the flagship stores are closed. So we're probably going to see those luxury um, companies still um, having a dent on their balance sheet, even though online spending is up. In affordable luxury, spending is down 92%. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, part of the reason for that, it kind of mirrors something that we saw during the recession between like 2008 and 2010, which is people who suffered the most in terms of spending power were the middle class and people with jobs in, say, the city and banking, that kind of thing. And What's happening now is a lot of these people are either being furloughed, which is the fact that um, they are being paid for their work 80%-ish, but there's no guarantee that their job is going to exist once that furlough period is over, or they're being fired, or there are hiring freezes across a lot of the biggest companies. So that's having a massive impact on the fact that people are feeling less secure. So um Pell just left a comment saying it's a combo of having less costs and then purchasing things had on the list for a while. Yeah, for luxury goods. So in terms of luxury goods, it's just people thinking, you know what, I have the money to spend and I have some time to think about what I wanted to spend. Whereas in affordable luxury, people are like, oh, no, I actually can't afford to be making these frivolous purchases anymore because I don't know what my earnings are going to look like in the next three months. So that brings us to a really interesting point with what luxury have been doing to kind of aid COVID-19 medical supplies um, and what that actually may mean for their bottom line in the future um, after COVID-19. H&M, Kering, LVMH, Ralph Lauren Prada, if you mentioned some of the brands that have pledged to make masks. um, And obviously this is welcome. This is great. This is a great initiative. I feel like we have been... And I say we as in the sustainable collective in fashion have been hammering them a lot um, regarding their supply chain, regarding their production processes. So the fact that they have taken a step back, stop producing and producing something that actually is low in supply is a great move. So we appreciate that. But um, there's this discussion that was had at the beginning of March regarding will luxury begin to bounce back? I think what analysts refer to it as is like a V-shape bounce. So it would drop and then come back up. But as time has gone on, it's seen that this is less and less likely. 
this is a combination of things um but them supplying these medical supplies these masks is something that we as i guess in fashion appreciate them pivoting their production process um but the question that i kind of want to ask is it the fashion brand these fashion brands responsibility to fund this like is it something that we should be doing we in fashion or something that the government should be doing hoping to you guys to answer by the way and um, based on what you guys think but what do you think oh okay i've got an answer i think my answer is quite cynical i think one of the biggest things that we're going to see as an aftermath of covid19 is because we we are used to a lot of the pub, um, pr private sector funding things that are traditionally public sector, we as consumers are now going to shift the responsibility from governments to high wealth individuals and companies that we think have the money to provide. So um, there are some comments here basically saying it's a global effort, it's everyone's social responsibility, and I completely agree. However, I think some of the inaction of governments is meaning that they are able to get off quite lightly and we are now starting to scrutinise people. So what I've seen quite a lot of is, I think it was maybe, um, what's her name? Jenna. The billionaire Jenna. Um, Kylie, yeah. <laughs> it's not Chloe. Um, I think Kylie Jenner donated something like half a million dollars to the coronavirus fight and people were cr criticising her saying, oh, she thanks guys <laughs> for the Kylie. <laughs> people were criticising her saying, um, oh, do you know what, you're worth almost a billion. How can you not donate more? And it's like, okay, yes, in the grand scheme of things, based on her net worth, half a million pounds or half a million dollars is nothing. However, it's something and it's more than what a lot of others are doing. So it's interesting that people are now kind of shifting the responsibility from private individuals and um, and private businesses. So I think that if you are able to, then absolutely, you know, play that part. But I think it's unfair that it means that the people who should be responsible for this aren't able to take responsibility. I agree wholeheartedly. And what I've never understood is this whole dialogue of, this person has been like, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, they're always calculating net worth and then dividing it and then figuring out they only gave one sixteenth of this. I'm like, what have you given? You just calculate someone else's salary. But anyway, that aside, I do believe that it leaves a gap in terms of what is actually expected from the government. And I, I think there was a plea, someone's actually made a comment about it, um, saying the footballers and other sports people, they were asked to um diverge their salary or something and I was like that's not up to them this you're getting this whole like this is confused this is not what it's meant to be it's meant if you can give you can give but at the end of the day it's, this is the government's responsibility so going back to the fact that luxury brands and retail brands are making masks I I agree I feel like everyone like everyone said should do their ethical responsibility their due diligence and do what they can do um but expecting it is a completely different conversation because at the end of the day, this is this is fashion. This is retail. This is a completely profit-based industry. This is not um, a non-profit organization we're talking about. This is not what it's about. But the goodwill that they have done is appreciated. 
Yeah, and it's funny because it's completely at odds with capitalism and it's what we're seeing is a lot of the capitalist structures are kind of crumbling in this time because yeah. people aren't able to purchase. It's fun. It's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> okay, you built this. You've been saying for a while that it's not sustainable in the long term and it's taken one event to kind of knock it all down. And yet um, we're still trying to profit from the capital from capitalism in that people are still expecting those super high net worth people to um to to prop up the world effectively so um, this is so this is a really interesting comment actually so this is from antonio and it says but these based industries are direct beneficiaries of government tax incentives and breaks and not to mention a lot of these brands often have very dubious tax practices as well so a lot of them may not be contributing what they should be so um in that sense it could just be seen as them paying back what they should have been doing to begin with interesting way to put it yeah i guess so but i think what i i want us or what i think people should try and disassociate is the expectation of them giving and just let them give what they at the end of the day if you're evading tax you will get caught well <laughs> so yeah but interesting point yeah Oh yeah, one more thing on the um, luxury companies manufacturing medical grade material, uh, medical grade um, products is they are often using materials that are not medical grade because they don't have the infrastructure to be using the right materials. They don't exist for that purpose. So now the difficulty that they're facing is sourcing those materials, um, making masks from something that is not cotton because according to the World Health Organization, Cotton is not that much better than not wearing a mask at all. So that's something else to think they about. They also said that we didn't need to wear masks for a very long time. Yeah, so, um, well. <laughs> don't, know, don't know about that. But yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting point. The next question we have is regarding sustainability. You guys know where we stand. Um, but it's very interesting to see how this virus has slowed down, I would say, fashion. To be fair, every industry has been brought to its knees aviation industries everyone is suffering but in fashion it has slowed down this production process that we hate so yeah hate so much um in terms of not being sustainable it's environmentally detrimental um and now we're at a point where brands have had to been forced to halt manufacturing full stop none of them like for example primark i doubt that we'll see the manufacturing at this point um some have they did normal, but they've been affected across the way from getting um, garments from China to the UK or to wherever they are distributing their products from. Um, there was still a problem. Now, earlier we asked you guys, oh, um, are you still shopping? And people were. And the way I see it personally is regardless of this virus, you shopping online, receiving an item, the likelihood that it will fit is not a hundred percent um you already have a problem with something you may not like it 100 percent doesn't fit right so you want to return it right and you do that we already told you guys what happens in case you're new here if you do return something online um 99 of the time don't quote me on that and um, they get sent to landfills and what that means is that sent to landfills will be destroyed so this is a huge problem in the fashion industry um but now with this whole virus I really question in the event that I've ordered something and okay, not me, someone's ordered something and they have the virus. I don't want to say I've got the virus. Someone's ordered something and they have the virus and they send it back. 
and they don't send it to a landfill because sometimes they do just send it on if it's, it fits the quality of how they initially sent it out. What happens then? Because they're still sending it from customer to customer. The risk is still there. That's one. Two, um, I wouldn't want to wear something or order something online if I don't know that it's come to me directly from the company. Like, I don't know if it's someone else has worn it, someone else has tried it on. And on top of that, they're also extending the delivery period. I don't know if you've seen ASOS is 90 days. Um, I don't know who else is 90 days. Whereas other stores like M&S, my mum went to M&S, I think a couple of weeks back, and they said no trying on, no fittings, no returns. And I feel like that's what every brand should do. If you want to buy it, just be sure you want to buy it. But I'm not seeing that, so... There's a bit of a shift happening there because I think I saw this morning, um, I can't even remember the brands, but there were a number of brands that were abolishing their returns policies. So um, Theresa Deja Vu says, can't they just sanitize the clothing and put it back in stock? They could, but they won't because that's going to increase their cost. It costs money. Yeah, exactly. And especially for (laughs) these everyday high street brands, there is no way that they are going to go out of their way to do that. So, um, however... I know we haven't really mentioned this, but talking talking about sanitizing clothing, there are still clothing retail rental apps and rental programs. So if you listen to our last episode, we interviewed the founder of Buy Rotation, which is a clothing rental app. And in that case, they're still running. And um, they thankfully, they take care of the cleaning themselves. So they make sure that everything is thoroughly sanitized. But the other thing with them is that they tend to be dealing with luxury clothing. So there's always going to be that extra degree of care in comparison to your high street brands. Um, Someone tells us said, I normally wash clothes before I wear them. It's interesting. We don't know. It depends on how many, um, on which surface, how long the virus will live. So yeah, Trisha, um, who's this? Oh, Aki has just said the virus can only live on for a number of hours or days, which is absolutely so it depends on the surface. So on the whole, it shouldn't transmit because of the time it takes to return. But there are still issues there with... What it's still a risk that stock. I don't want to take. Fair enough. But then what do yeah. you do with the dead stock? So if they're not going to resell it, does that mean that it's all going to end up... What happens to your sustainability goals? When you're saying by 2030, you want to be sustainable, whatever that means, what is going to happen to your sustainability goals? Are you still going to upkeep them? Um, I know that Zara and H&M are very loud about their goals. So, <laughs> so like, honestly, at this point, I think everyone should just stop trying to say that this is their goal. This is it. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. So let's just stop. Let's not lie to each other. Um, I feel like they should just pause, pause and do the best that they can in this period in protecting their workers. Because I think ASOS had a few issues. Um, I, I think it was last week. So, my priority for them is not really be sustainable. It's, it's really just rethink your inventory, rethink how you produce your clothes. Because at this point, it's just like, you can't continue how you were before. Something has to give. And I think sustainability is one of the main ones, definitely. So I think the last question on this point is, will it ever be possible for fashion brands to choose the planet over industry? Even in situations like this, where everything is uncertain and everything's at a standstill and they have no choice but to abandon their sustainability goals, but also their profit goals, will it ever be possible for brands to propose planet over industry? And that's an open question to anyone. Anyone can answer this one, but I feel like the bottom line will always matter for the brands. 
at the end of the day, I've said it before, it's not a non-profit organisation. Um, and sustainability was never really in their motto. It was never their thing. It was a recent phenomenon, I would say, that has overtaken them because everyone, consumers, are hammering them to do better. Um, and I feel like as long as we continue to do so, it raises a question of, will they listen? Um, but whether they will choose try it over profit, I don't think so. So does that mean that everyone's kind of in agreement that once COVID-19 ends, we're going to go back to life as normal and nothing's going to change? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know what it is, is like capitalism always wins. So it's like at some point, this has been nice. This has been a very nice bubble we've lived in where we've seen capital, crum- capital? Yeah, capital system um, crumble, capitalism crumble, but it's not real life. Like this is a bubble because we're seeing all sorts of things, amazing things. Luxury are making luxury brands are making medical grade supplies. Like who would have ever thought? Like Dyson making ventilators, like things like this. You're like, wow, like this is crazy. But this isn't real life. Like at some point, the government will snap back to the non-socialist government they are, and things I think will go back to normal. Wolf of New Street says things will come to normal first, then settle to something different. Do you want to expand on what that may be? Um, personally I'm a little I'm very pessimistic as well I don't think anything's going to change I think people have very short memories Um, we're seeing the planet doing amazing things we're seeing Venice canals being clear there were deer hanging out in East London the other day (laughs) mad yeah there were the problem there were deer we are the problem but you know (laughs) we're gonna come out of this we're going to either find some sort of a vaccination or the virus will just disappear and we're going to come out of this and everyone's going to forget it ever happened, unfortunately. That's what I think. Humans for you. But yeah, someone said, expect the worst and hope for the best. These brands need to prepare and stop killing themselves. To be fair, that is a very, very true point because I feel like if everyone, not that anyone could ever env- like envision virus crippling the whole world, that could never have been something. That's a movie line. Like That's a, that's a script. But the fact that we have gotten to this point means it can happen again. And if it does happen again, these brands need to be ready. Um, so that's a very that's a very good point. I feel like they do need to prepare, rethink everything, their structure, their business model, their efficiency at the lowest cost possible, but not affecting the environment. That's where we have the problem. Um, and if they can do that, then I think we'll be We'll see. So on that note, everyone has spoken about, you know, how they feel about... Um, the fashion industry being inefficient based on just the facts that we've thrown out and we've had these conversations across numerous podcast episodes so um i thought i'd let you know that um we have there's a organization called fashion revolution which they exist in over 100 countries and their aim is basically to hold fashion brands to account in terms of their environmental aims so fashion revolution week is from the 20th to the 26th of april and the purpose of this week is to just use your voice to talk to the brands that you love. So write a letter, to, write an email to your favourite brands and say, hey, where are my clothes being made? Because as we mentioned earlier um, with Primark, they say that their clothes are now ethically manufactured, but there is very little detail about what that actually means. So if we want to um, put our money where our mouths are, obviously we can't stop shopping at all of these brands. But what we can do is see what we can do to hold them to account. So scrutinise these sustainability aims, think about what it means to be conscious fashion and just do our bit. So even if that means consuming a little bit less than we normally do, just doing anything that we can to help fashion become more sustainable. Yeah, there's also an interesting point that someone made and I really like it. 
Well, 15th Street said, God forbid a second wave causing, sorry, I can't see, rolling lockdowns. Digital fashion might become a thing because we're at home more. Um, I agree. I feel like I was absolutely amazed at what could be done online. Like, I already knew tech was there, but the fact that en masse, a whole population is has become digital overnight was amazing. So I feel like a lot of companies will be investing in digital technologies way more than they were previously and at a faster rate because like you said a second wave could come we need to be ready um so that's yeah. very good but remember what what we posted on the ether to wrap about digital wedding dress shopping so it's kind of like yes you can digitize but how do we know what so for anyone who missed it um people are starting to shop for wedding dresses online or well, not online but kind of do like digital dress fittings however that works i have no idea and um obviously a wedding dress is a massive commitment even though it is a dress you only wear once so we asked the question as to whether people would be willing to do that and i think it was something like 80 percent of people said no they wouldn't do that so i think it's wild when it comes to wedding dresses like a wedding dress is the one dress you wear and someone did make a point of dresses that she thought would look amazing on her she went in person and it just didn't fit right so there's always that issue um <laughs> <laughs> Belle said they don't fear god if they're buying wedding dresses <laughs> no comment um but you know what i think is is also a point of desperation and i think that brand is smart in offering it what i think they did do was a remote zoom call so the stylist is like as we are basically but on zoom and they show them based on the styles they like dresses it's still risky business and i don't know who's getting married now with a dress i'll just go in jeans um anyway and answer the question there was a question about whether we can put that in a template um fashion revolution has a number of templates we'll share them on the ether to instagram um and on the website as well so i think that's it from us thank you guys so so much for joining and for engaging subscribe comment like engage we love it thank you so much Bye.